sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the morning after Davis Maddock. I'll be here with you guys for the next two hours here on Sports Grid TV and Sports Grid Radio. No Ben Stevens in with you today. Got a long list of guests who are going to be joining me today. Of course, we're going to go over the National Basketball Association, the games in Major League Baseball today. The Masters begins today. In fact, everyone just teed off 62 minutes ago looking at some of the contests over there on FanDuel, kind of surprised by the uh, distribution of ownership of some of those players. Big, big night in the National Basketball Association last night. In fact, probably the biggest regular season game for the Los Angeles Clippers. They are able to knock off the Los Angeles Lakers despite a 33-8-7 and from LeBron James, 125-118. to The Lakers, uh, the, the money line of that game, was actually pretty fascinating. It opened, I believe, at five and a half, trended all the way to closing at three. The Lakers were only three-point dogs, end up not getting there. So the Clippers are now 42 and 38, and the Lakers are 41 and 39. Maybe it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. It actually is a gigantic deal for the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers won the tiebreaker over the Lakers. So even if the Lakers win out, over the rest of the season, the Lakers have two more games. They play April 7th against Phoenix, and they play April 9th against Utah. I would imagine that Phoenix game will probably be a loss, but that Utah game is definitely going to be a win. The Clippers really bought themselves some breathing room, though, because they get to play against Portland, and then on the last day of the season, they get to play Phoenix. Phoenix probably, uh, in fact, I, I believe Phoenix is almost assuredly locked in to the four seed in the Western Conference right now. So pretty uh, pretty interesting result there. That wasn't the only big result that we saw in the NBA. The, the Eastern Conference is now entirely set. The Bucks are set. The Celtics are set. The Grizzlies, are, or not the Grizzlies, the, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers are entirely set. The Knicks are entirely set, which, uh, you know, I mean, for our purposes as uh, fantasy players and as gamblers, sort of interesting for the remainder of the season, the Bucks were without Giannis last night, winning 105 to 92 against the Chicago Bulls. Bobby Lopez, massive game, 27 points, 13 rebounds, one assist. Probably the most concerning thing, though, for fans of the Milwaukee Bucks is that Chris Middleton started this game, came down wrong on his knee, and left immediately. Played only eight minutes, and uh, it was sort of one of those situations where the Bucks PR team. Didn't even say, you know, he's he's questionable to return. He's doubtful to return. They ruled him out immediately. So the Milwaukee Bucks do get the win, but the Bucks are going to have the exact same problem against the Celtics, against the 76ers, against the Cavaliers that they had last year, which is that if Middleton is not available, and if, honestly, even if Middleton is not 100%, they are... I mean, it's just really not going to work for them on offense. The Bucks' offense, by the end of that Eastern Conference final series against the Boston Celtics last year, they just could not make a shot. I mean, they really it was so it was just painful to watch. Uh, it was it it just really it it so they they need him back. And another huge victory here in terms of the pricing in the Western Conference. I don't think any team 
benefits more from avoiding the play-in than the Los Angeles Clippers because according to reports on Paul George's health, he is about two to three weeks away from returning. And I would guess he'll probably need a ramp-up game. And of course, welcome to everyone here on SportsGrid. Welcome our radio audience. I'm Davis Maddock. No Ben Stevens with you guys today for the next two hours talking about Paul George's injury return. I mean, the Clippers, I would I would suppose, looking at the uh, price to win the conference, that the Clippers probably gained roughly 20% equity in the market just from being able to get Paul George an extra week of rest. As of right now, the Clippers and the Warriors are not in the play-in game. Now, the Lakers, you guys can see the huge discrepancy in the price here. The Pelicans are 65 to 1. The Timberwolves are 80 to 1. The Thunder are 240 to 1 to win the conference. So the reason why that is, the seven seed has a huge advantage. They get to play two home games, and they can lose one of the games. They only have to win one home game to get into the playoffs. I mean, think about the difference between what the Thunder would have to do or what the Timberwolves would have to do to get the right to play against one of the higher seeds, right? It's just, it's it's monumentally uh, more difficult to do what they do. So that I don't, I don't actually think the Lakers are dead in the water now if D'Angelo Russell is not able to come back healthy and LeBron's foot is still bothering him and Anthony Davis is, is you know, just like uh, they, they played him last night on the second night of a back-to-back and it clearly limited his effectiveness a little bit. You know, we'll see. But uh, what I thought the entire time is the Lakers can win any series. The Lakers can beat the Grizzlies. They can beat the Nuggets. They can beat whoever Obviously, the difficulty is I don't know if they can do all of that three times. And another big win, I guess a big in quotations win for the Dallas Mavericks. They had to win last night against the Kings to keep, uh, you know, from resting their guys and basically being out of contention. But we'll see what they do over the final week of the season. We are going to run into break here real quick on the morning after. We've got an absolutely jam-packed show for you guys. We're going to go over results from the NBA last night. We are going to talk about the Masters. We are going to talk about baseball. We are even going to spend some time on the ice in the NHL. So don't go anywhere. Stay with me for the next two hours, and I'll do my best to get you updated on everything you need to go. It's smarter to be on the grid. See you back in a moment. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after. I'm Davis Maddock, no Ben Stevens with you guys here today. And uh, we are locked in to the Masters. Everyone just teed off. Uh, you know, look, it's it's everyone always loves the first guy to make a couple birdies, Matthew McLean, a guy who no one's ever heard of, who actually is an optometrist in real life, has already made a birdie. Uh, pretty interesting groups here in round one. I like how they uh, kind of distributed the live golfers with a bunch of Canadians to, you know, just sort of keep the tensions down a little bit. Tiger Woods gets to go off with Victor Hovland and Xander Shifley. Always find that a little bit interesting. The younger guys who get paired with Tiger. Um, You know, I've talked to some guys on the PGA Tour before who have gotten to play with Tiger. Uh, Tom Hoagie came on my podcast a couple of years ago. 
the first ever time that Tom Hoagie was in a final group was at the Wyndham Championship on Sunday five years ago, I believe. Who was his partner that day, first and second? Tiger Woods, of course. So everyone on the entire golf course is following him. Everyone is sweating every single shot. And honestly, as the guy playing with Tiger, you're kind of in the way, right? You're like, no one really cares about your shots. And uh, Tom said that that was like a really distracting experience the first time he ever did it. He shot like a 78, shot himself out of contention. I have been at a major championship and and followed, I, I didn't follow Tiger around, but I just kind of hung out at some holes and watched the big giant crowd go by. I will say it's definitely going to be, it's definitely going to be a test for those guys. Probably my favorite group uh, to watch to begin is definitely going to be the Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Cameron Young group. I think all three of those guys have like a pretty strong chance of winning this tournament. I don't think you get, uh, I don't, I don't think you could get a ton of groups where all guys, every shot matters to them. Uh, the, I, I suppose the Tom Kim, Roy McElroy, Sam Burns group is, is probably right in there as well. And then the Spieth Fleetwood female group. Uh, I mean, look, you always uh, very similar to how you kind of feel bad for the guys who have to play with tiger. I always feel kind of bad for the guys who have to play with Jordan at one of these major championships because he plays extremely slow. He fidgets over every shot forever. You know there's going to be at least one debate with the rules official. And look, everyone, I mean, it's, it's kind of a joke at this point uh, amongst people who bet on and follow professional golf that Jordan, uh, Jordan is going to get the benefit of the doubt you know, no matter what, when it comes to the rules official, he's going to get, he's going to get a, uh, he's going to get a free drop. He's going to get, uh, you know, relief from a sprinkle. And it's just kind of the way it works. And uh, I suppose it is sort of interesting though, that the masters outright odds on our friends over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, this is about as shallow as you've been able to get Jordan for quite a while. You know, Jordan Spieth is one of those guys who at a, at a normal tournament, this is sort of a, a fun uh, just a little intricacy of the betting markets. Speed is not really that popular of a wager at at you know the Valspar at the Pebble at at Pebble Beach at any of these Florida tournaments uh, when when they go over to Europe. Like he he doesn't really do that well in WGCs historically. But when it does come to these Masters, people just cannot help themselves. I mean, Speed is priced higher than Patrick Cantlay. Of course, his good friend Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson, and. I mean, I, I suppose I can't say that it's wrong because Jordan Spieth's results in major championships have been so good. I mean, he's drawing live for the career Grand Slam. He won the Masters in 2015, won the U.S. Open in 2015, won the Open Championship in 2017, and he's actually gotten second in the PGA. So it's like very similar to how Rory is drawing live for the, the career Grand Slam. So is Jordan. But obviously, Rory is way better. 2011 U.S. Open Championship, 2012-2014 PGA, the 2014 Open Championship. He was so close to winning the Masters last year. I mean, that round that he had on Sunday, I really could not believe how hard he was charging it out. Now, in the end, you know, Scotty did what he did. Scotty Scheffler was playing the best golf in the world at this time last year. Scheffler won four events in 56 days. Four events in 56 days. For Scotty Scheffler last year, including the 2022 Masters Tournament. But I have not been able to remove that low 60s round that Rory had. I mean, Rory is, is, is chipping in for birdie from the bunker. He really did give himself a chance. And he does need to win this one to get the career grand slam. 
And more so than I can ever remember, the market is really buying into it. You know, I bet Rory at a lot of major championships. Um, you know, I was just talking about this yesterday. Like he, I mean, I've bet him for the second place at the Open Championship. I bet him for the T5 at the U.S. Open Championship. Like he just, it, he's always there because a bad round of Rory golf, like a, a round where he can't quite get the putts to fall, a round where he can't quite get the chips to go exactly where he wants is like two under par. Now, obviously, everyone remembers the the 2019 British Open Championship that took place at his home country in Northern Ireland. He missed the cut by one stroke. He made an eight. He made a quad bogey on the opening hole of that tournament. I mean, he's he definitely is a little bit of an emotional guy out there on the greens. But if I was going to bet one guy at the top of the board, it definitely would be Rory. Um, I did not make that bet. And because I didn't make that bet, I'm like honestly deathly afraid that he's going to win this at an absolute canter. The uh, the bad weather that these guys are expected to get this weekend in Augusta, Georgia, I, I think that really does help the long hitters in the end because it's going to soften those greens up a little bit and it's going to be a lot easier to land from 200 yards out when the greens are a little bit softer. Now, the big elephant in the room, though, is what is going to happen with the guys from the Saudi Arabian-sponsored Live Golf Tour. This is the first time we've seen those guys play. Uh, all no, no disrespect intended, no one's watching the Live Golf. No one watched the Live Golf event last weekend in Orlando. In fact, uh, people were uh, people I know who love golf, who bet on golf, and that includes myself, were actually surprised to learn that Brooks Kepka won an event on the Live Golf Tour. He'd been getting absolutely awful results on the Live Golf Tour. And in fact... Uh, Brooks was the biggest riser in odds when um, all the betting markets reset themselves on Monday morning when they went from futures prices to live outright prices. Brooks went, I mean, you could get 80 to one on Brooks. You could get some really deep prices on Brooks. And then he shot all the way up to that 40 to one range. Um, Unsurprisingly, I think probably some of the best make cut, miscut odds do come from the live golfers. Like I think Cameron Smith, a three to one, pretty decent. I, I really like Patrick Reed at two to one. And honestly, the way that Bryson DeChambeau has been playing, I was I was kind of joking with myself, like I would be so sick if Bryson won this golf tournament and he was out there at 130 to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook and I didn't bet it. But I definitely think you could tell yourself like Bryson at 130 to one, like I got to make that wager as, as like protection. But also uh, our friends over at Data Golf have our friends at, at Data Golf, who are the best available providers of uh, you know betting information for golf. If you're trying to take it a little bit seriously, they've got most of these numbers as positive expected value because they are decaying the skill level of the live guys that hard. Like they're just not playing competitive golf. They're only playing 54 holes. They don't have to make a cut. And honestly, a lot of these guys have not even gotten good results. They haven't even been beating you know Henny Duplis over on the. Uh, over on the Live Golf Tour. Now, uh, I love this wager every single year. The winning score, minus 13 or worse, is minus 140. Minus 14 or better is plus 114. Particularly interesting this year because we don't know what they're going to do on Saturday. If the rain comes on Saturday, but the lightning stays away, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's raining, but it's not a thunderstorm. I would guess they're going to try and get these guys to play because we hate a Monday finish. We really hate a Tuesday finish for Augusta. But obviously, if it's lightning for 10 straight hours, these guys aren't going to be there. And the like, if they force these guys to play in bad weather, I think the minus 13 or worse seems pretty good. 
But if, I mean, if you've got some inside intel or if you can read the weather, minus 14 or better at plus 114 seems pretty interesting. So that is a wrap-up. That's a, well, not even a wrap-up, a quick look at the Masters odd boards as we sit right now. The big guys are going to be teeing off right about when we get off on air. I'll update you with anything as you need. We are going to run to break here real quick on the program. I will return with Tom Vecchio here in just a moment. See you guys back then. It's smarter to be on sports today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined now by Tom Vecchio from FanDuel. We are going to get absolutely deep in the prop streets. We are going to start uh, in, in the NBA. We've got, uh, I mean, I suppose this theoretically is a pretty big matchup between the Nuggets and the Suns. It is the uh, it is the TNT game. I would guess, though, uh, Denver's not going to care about this game. I, I think I think they're just gonna they're just gonna hang out. As uh, as of right now, Denver is fifty two and twenty seven. They are three ahead of the lost column ahead of Memphis. They are way ahead in the lost column of Phoenix. They they probably just need to win one more game, and maybe they don't even need to win one more game to get the one seed and lock in. Right. Yeah. And with Memphis's loss last night, they're actually locked into the one seed. And this has me relatively, or I'd say more than relatively hesitant about this game overall. Jokic played one game. He played in their most recent game, but he sat out a few prior to that. And Jamal Murray is listed as questionable. So what are we going to be seeing from the Nuggets tonight? And, you know, ultimately I could see this as kind of just a throwaway game. They can't move up or down. What, you know, why put the starters out there? You know, will they have Aaron Gordon and, and Michael Porter Jr. out there for a little bit? Sure. But Ultimately, that has me also worried about the Sun side, where they can kind of just go through the motions. Do they need to push Durant out there for 35 minutes? And it ultimately has me leaning on some unders overall in the props. We actually have to wait for some of the props to be posted, but this guy, this game is kind of seemed like a stay away for me right now. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to love silly season here late <laughs> in the NBA. I, that's more from a fantasy perspective than from like a straight up prop perspective though like on FanDuel it is let me tell you the joy you get out of you know just pick like Skylar Mays who's probably (laughs) there is a chance that Skylar Mays the next two nights for the Portland Trailblazers straight up plays 48 minutes does not sub out is in there for the entire time and we'll never hear from him again right well (laughs) Skylar Mays God bless you uh we'll never hear from you again I get. I suppose what's more interesting with the prop stuff is you're you're kind of at the mercy of what the guy who's working at FanDuel on the props board tonight chooses to post. If he wants to post Zeke Naji rebound lines, I I mean I'm in. Right? Give me give me the points, rebounds, assists prop for Zeke Naji. But you got to make the market, and they might. I mean, it, it it truly depends on if they bother making some of these markets or not. Right. Like I, we can look here, we could sit and look at the usage differential when, you know, MPJ and Gordon and Porter uh, and, and uh, Murray and Jokic are all off the court for Denver. I'm like, yeah, sign me up for Bruce Brown and KCP props. I'll take those all day, but we just don't have those yet. So, you know, we get to this point in the season where we have one team with clear motivation, one team with no motivation. And I'd rather just focus on two teams that do need to be playing or two teams that have nothing to play for. Cause we can get, like you said, a little bit weird at the late end 
of the season here with like Portland and San Antonio. They have nothing to play for. We could just see a bit of a track meet there and, and see plenty of minutes and plenty of production for the players involved in that game. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely with you there. So the uh, I mean, I think we are now to the business end of the season and we have to start asking ourselves how many true contenders are there? How many teams do we think are, are eligible to win the NBA championship? And I suppose more so than any year I can remember of like seriously following the NBA. I mean, I think you could go very deep. I like you generally speaking, the teams listed at 30 to one are drawing 100% dead to win the NBA championship. Just going into the playoffs, those teams, they have too much to overcome. But the Western Conference, with the Kings, Grizzlies, and Nuggets just being vulnerable top seeds, like if the Nuggets lose a first-round series, I'm not going to die of surprise. If, and the Grizzlies don't even have any centers. All their, Xavier Tillman got hurt yesterday. They have no centers on their roster. They're down to playing Santi Aldama at center. Like They, they do not have a center. It's a real problem for them. And the Kings are 26th in the NBA in defense. Very hard to win a championship. So how many real contenders do you think there are? You know, I would, I would like to say that we're looking at five plus, which is obviously not something we've been able to say in years past. I kind of have an interest in the Clippers to, on two things. And it's slowly dependent on Paul George's health. Will he be ready to go? And ultimately, I don't want them in the five seed if I want them as a championship because I want them to kind of duck the Suns in the first round and have a little bit of an easier path because if they can, you know, take on uh, whether it be the Grizzlies or the Kings, I think that's a winnable matchup for the Clippers, again, assuming that they do get Paul George back. So, like you said, if the Nuggets fall or the Grizzlies fall in the first round, the Clippers at 34-1, to 1, that's a spot that you could realistically go, get Paul George back, they can take down the Kings, move on to the next round, get a little bit healthier. I have interest there. I mean, I'm 100% with you. I've been saying that since before the season started, right? That was my my uh, my finals pick was Celtics, Clippers, you know, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I, I'm such a Nikola Jokic guy, but I'm not really a Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. guy. So okay. it's it's kind of one of those situations. Like, I, I think it would be amazing for Jokic to make it to the NBA Finals. I don't think the NBA is rooting for that. I think they would greatly prefer the Lakers or the Clippers or the Warriors to make it out of the Western Conference for ratings purposes. Um, you know, so we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, Joel Embiid coming off the, I mean, probably the best offensive game of his career the other night. Uh, he, he missed five field goals total. He missed one free throw, 52 points. Uh, gets actually another game that uh, is is sort of interesting. I mean, huge favorites here against Miami, who Miami, I think, is, I believe Miami is now locked in to the seven, which is pretty important. I was just talking about that in the last segment. Uh, so the seven seed means that you get to play two home games and you only have to win one of them. Uh, Joel Embiid, 31 points, 10, 31 and a half points, 10 and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. He's up to minus 1,000 to win the MVP. Uh, you got any leans on there? Do you think Embiid deserves to be the, the stone cold MVP? I was, I was arguing about this with Brian Fonseca yesterday. I do. I think Embiid certainly deserves it. You know, he could have been last year, the MVP. Um, I don't have ultimately too strong of takes when it comes to some of these season long markets. I think this game is rather interesting. Um, you know, I would just have to double check that. I believe the heat are still live for the six seed. They can overtake the nets due to head to head. So if the Nets lose out their final two games and the uh, we do see the Heat win their final two or three games, they could actually jump into the sixth seed. 
So I just want to double check on that because ultimately that has me interested in Jimmy Butler over 35 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. It's saying a minus 120. You know, this is a revenge game for him. I don't think that matters, but the Heat are a team that still have motivation to play and win. And I think that is probably one of the biggest factors when it comes to this point in the season where we know the starters should be out there for a consistent amount of minutes. They're not going to be messing with the rotation. They're not going to be doing anything crazy. It should be consistent usage and production for the players. And I think that's where Jimmy Butler is kind of the threat to always go for triple-double, putting him in a pretty good spot. Yeah, this is a lower over-under, and it's two teams in the bottom five of the league of offensive pace, but that means you know more missed shots, which means more rebounds, and you know just more of a, a sloppy-style game that could lead, lead to a lot of free throws at the end of the game, putting Butler in a good spot. Yeah, so I did I did just check real quick. You're right. You are so the Heat do actually have something to gain. The 76ers have nothing to gain, which I think we might see Paul I you know Paul Reed might start this game. We might we might get a lot. We might get uh, you know, Furkan Korkmaz and and Paul Reed here, which again, I love the silly season. I'm not going to apologize for this. Like this is I these last like 4 days of the NBA season. I I do actually love tilting our attention over to Major League Baseball, Spencer Strider is going to take the mound for the Atlanta Braves tonight against Blake Snell and the San Diego Padres. Spencer Strider, uh, I mean, he's like, he's fascinating because every single start, you're just like, can you get to the sixth inning? Like if you could, like if he can get to the sixth or seventh inning 10 times this year, he is going to boost his Cy Young odds up so much because he, I mean, obviously he's like a favorite to lead the NL in strikeouts but but way far away from leading the nl in innings pitch i i would kind of like to see him win um the nl so do you have any leans on this san diego atlanta game tonight how do you how do you like to bet mlb props what's your what's your general strategy so my general strategy uh is is mainly player props uh as ben stevens he likes to call me the home run prop king so i actually have a a specific method i use for identifying players that are in spots for home runs using a lot of batted ball data uh, tonight's game, obviously, I think the pitching would indicate the under, but we do have some really good hitting weather here. It's absolutely nice and warm uh, in Atlanta. There's a little bit of rain that could be an issue, but you know, like you said with Strider, if he can keep the pitch count under control and get deeper into games, he can be racking up strikeouts, you know, 10 plus strikeouts in any single start. This is obviously a very, very dangerous lineup for him to be going up against. So, you know, despite the pitching, I kind of like the over in this game uh, just because we have so much power on both sides. And again, with that, positive hitting weather I think we could be in for a little bit of production and Snell also another pitcher that isn't super efficient you know the walk certainly bothered him last year and you know letting Braves hitters on base for free and then having to face Olsen and Riley and Acuna and Albies is is probably not a good idea so I ultimately like the over in this game I like that I mean one of the things I really like to do especially early on in the season in Major League Baseball is just try to get ahead of guys I think the market is wrong on. So like Wander Franco, I've been betting Wander Franco like over total bases because I think right. the market kind of has him as like this this walks and OBP style guy or whatever, you know? So I, I, I that's kind of the direction I like. Why don't you run me through some of the props that are going to be on your card here on April 6th? Yes, I, I think C.J. Cron for the Rockies is an awesome spot. It's, it's decent hitting weather in Denver, and going up against Josiah Gray for the Nationals is just such an awesome matchup. You know, we're looking at Gray, 1.60 home runs allowed to righties last year. 40% fly ball rate is horrible, and Cron has a ton of power to 209 ISO versus righties last year. 37% fly ball rate, 114 WRC plus, like Cron is checking all the boxes. He's also off to a good start this year. 
obviously a small sample size. And then finally, Jack Hughes over one and a half points versus the Blue Jackets. They are giving up over five goals for 60 minutes in five and five situations over the last month. And the Devils are in a good winning spot. They need to secure some points to close out the season. All right, I'm going to tail you on the CJ Crone home run. Thank you very much for your time, Tom. We'll see you back soon. Everyone, I'll be back from break here in just a moment on TMA. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back in to the morning after here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Chris Miles. We are going to go around the association, tackle some of the big topics uh, from last night. And tonight, we're going to return to last night's game between the Clippers and the Lakers. Just such a massive win for the Clippers. Like, I really thought the Lakers were going to do it. I thought after all this drama, the whole season... Do you trade the 2027 and 29 first round picks? Like, what do you do? You you buy out Russell Westbrook. Like, what what are we doing? And then all of a sudden, the Clippers without Paul George, 125, 118 at the Crypto.com Arena. Norman Powell absolutely loses his mind. 27 points off the bench there. I mean, Chris, what do you make of this? Like, this this win was so big for the Clippers title odds. Well, I tell you, the, the biggest thing was it was a must-win situation for both teams trying to avoid the, the play-in, right? So that's what it was. It felt like a play-in game. It had all the drama. But, man, the Lakers were at, were at that extreme disadvantage. And it's interesting being around NBA players. Like last night, you know, Channing Fry won a championship with LeBron. And he's like, man, they got back and got on. They got back to the hotel at like 4 a.m. Man, they're going to get some sleep, and then they're playing at home, but it's like an away game. There's no way that they play, but LeBron, I mean, that they win, but LeBron's going to play. And to hear that insight, I was like, oh, the Lakers are done. <laughs> like, I was like, man, if I was in Vegas right now or, you know, in the state of Georgia, you can't place a bet. But, man, I would have gone all in on the Clippers last night once I heard Channing say those things um, and, and really put in perspective how hard that is, not on LeBron and AD who played an overtime game, right? But the, the bench guys, and so you, you saw that second unit, once they came in, they couldn't get going. Lakers got down 15-3 to three early, and it was just this uphill battle um, that they just they couldn't really uh, come back from. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard played. So once you saw that, it was a wrap. Clippers had that uh, in the back. Yeah, and Kawhi, I mean, look, he is looking like uh, the Spurs Kawhi, honestly. Like, he is looking like MVP votes over triple-double, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi, 43 minutes last night. I mean, I have to go look this up. But I'm going to guess Kawhi Leonard, 43 minutes in the regular season has not happened in five years. You know, like there's just, you know, because of how closely they've managed him. I mean, maybe even maybe even longer than five years, honestly. He's definitely never done it as a Clipper. Really, I mean, 9-17 shooting, really solid. And, I mean, Russell Westbrook, People, people left him for dead, Chris. People, I, I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, lifelong, you know, as long as they've existed. I've always sort of hated the conversation about Russ. It's always about what he can, can't do and never about what he can do. I mean, he has been very important for them. And I think, you know, I mean, he's comfortable in his role, 21 minutes. You know, let, let Norman Powell come in and be the closer or whatever. Like, he is, uh, he's been he's been good for them. This is a good uh, and important a signing that the Clippers made. 
I mean, there's a reason. First of all, there's so much to this Lakers-Clippers matchup. The fact that LeBron wanted Ty Lue to be the coach for the Lakers, and now the Clippers have won 11 straight <laughs> over the Lakers, right? And Ty Lue hasn't lost a game of coaching against LeBron. Like, that thing is just still there. But the pass that LeBron made that Russell Westbrook caught while on the bench, it was like, good pass, good pass. I mean, that was like all of it in a nutshell. But I think Russell Westbrook, um, you know, he's been one of those misunderstood people. He makes terrible decisions at the end of games, right? He just does. But if you've ever been around him, you know he goes all out. Uh, he shows up to community events. And I say that people are like, oh, yeah, all players do. No, no, no. Like he'll show up to an eighth grade game that he's supposed to be at just to take pictures and like the other players will leave and he'll be there like yelling at the kids in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, these, they're not even good. And the coach is like, Russell Westbrook's really do Like I've seen this with my own two eyes. So <clears throat> his passion for the game, it really is unmatched. And it's great to see him in a situation where he's being honed in by Ty Lue at this stage in his career. Yeah. It's uh, it is cool, and I think that is I think you I think you pointed out something good, which is that uh, he's a good dude, right? And I think that I think that definitely gets overlooked in the conversations. Uh, so looking now at uh, some of these prices uh, to win the conference, I I mean this Clippers number is probably going to be gone by the time we get off this segment. I'm going to guess that uh, I'm going to guess that they end up getting far lower than that now that they are officially. I mean they're not officially confirmed, but I I think at this point. They probably mill. They they probably will miss the play-in. And um, I I mean I hate this Warriors number. This Warriors number is awful because they're the six seed. They're not going to get to the four seed. They're going to have to be on the road in every game seven if they even get there. The Warriors are the freaking Washington Generals on the road, dude. They cannot get a road win. Like they're losing. They lost a road game two weeks ago to the Houston Rockets. They can't, what, what is the, I mean, you got to explain this to me. How is this possible? Okay. Well, first of all, the road warriors is like a whole different team. Like the defending champs play at the chase center, right? And like you said, the Houston Rockets are the road warriors. <laughs> like That's who they become when they're on the road. But I actually had the privilege of asking Steve Kerr about that. And the numbers don't line what he said. It's defensively, you know, when you miss Gary Payton, the second, right. Who had, obviously went with Portland and was hurt and now he's back in the fold and Andrew Wiggins, uh, you kind of miss that veteran identity defensively. Go look at their numbers on the road. It's like Jordan Poole and some of the younger guys uh, just don't show up defensively. And that was a big part of their situation with James Wiseman is they wanted him to be this elite defending shot blocking seven footer that comes in and is ready to go on that end and, and saves, you know, bad decisions by other guys. And he's just not James Wiseman is an offensive juggernaut that is looking to grow uh, in Detroit in that way. And he just didn't fit in with, with the Warriors. So a lot of their road losses, they're like, okay, we thought we had this. We don't have this. Then Wiggins set out those 20 games. Then GP2 wasn't there. And it's like they didn't have that defensive identity on a road where those role players at home, for some reason, uh, guard it up and, and play well. So that's really the difference uh, for the Warriors when they're on the road. They're just not at that level. And, of course, we got to mention Clay Thompson, right? He used to be the creme de la creme defensively and just isn't that anymore after his injuries. So it, if they're on the road like this uh, throughout the playoffs, I'm with you, man. I don't see them defending the championship, even though Andrew Wiggins is back in the fold. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll look at crazier things have happened, right? Clay Thompson gets amped up for a month and a half and, and, you know, maybe he's kind of been saving himself. And if he's, uh, I mean, Clay is back. He's not, he's, he's pretty back on offense, you know, maybe not, maybe not quite, maybe he doesn't run the elevator doors as smoothly as he used to, but he's still a very good offensive player and maybe he can dial it up. And, uh, you know, look, you get Wiggins back. And I think adding Wiggins back does, it moves Clay from being the primary boundary defender, you know, the primary guy who's got to be on the ball to the secondary guy. And that's going to help them. We'll see what Wiggins conditioning and everything is like. And I'm never going to put it past Curry and Steve Kerr. Like they're a a great team. They've been a great team forever. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks opening night, 12 to one to win the West, 27 to one to win the championship. Kyrie gets traded. Everyone overreacts. Plus 550 to win the West, 14 to 1 to win the title, despite the fact that the Mavericks had stunk out loud all year long. The Mavericks defense is just offensive to me. As someone who loves basketball, it is just, it's offensive to watch this team play. And um, honestly, I don't really, I think there's been a big conversation recently, like about how Luka needs to try harder. Luka needs to play more defense. They're never going to get to where they get unless Luka. It's come on, dude. You can't, you, I, I don't, I don't, that's not serious analysis, right? It's just, it can't be. Well, there's something that everyone seems to be forgetting, right? And last year, the Dallas Mavericks finished top five in defensive efficiency. And that's the reason they went to the Western Conference Finals, right? So, oh, was Luka playing defense then? <clears throat> oh, was this team, ter- it's personnel. Uh, you have to build around a guy like Luka. And last year, that team, while it didn't have Kyrie Irving on it, had more of a defensive presence around Luka Doncic. And that's what they need again. And that's what needs to be addressed in the offseason. I mean, Norman Powell is the size of a shooting guard in the 90s, right? <laughs> like he's about 6'7, six, 6'8. Six, and they're asking him to defend down low and to protect the rim. And JaVel McGee, um, you know, doesn't play enough. So really, when they lose a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, who's 6'8", 6'9", and that kind of anchor on defense that could defend multiple positions, man, they just need to go out and get a couple of guys. Like, I'll tell you a guy that they need just like Isaac Okoro in Cleveland, right? They need to go get, like, a guy like that who you go, offensively, oh, he's lacking. Well, you got Luka and Kyrie. You don't need another offensive guy. Like, Christian Wood, great to have you. You're a luxury. They need a couple of Isaac Okoros that just go out there and wreak havoc on defense to change their identity. They had one. They had one. In fact, they had a better one. Dorian Finney-Smith is better, right? And they traded him away in order to acquire Kyrie Irving, who, by the way, honestly, at this point, for me, I mean, come on. He can't be on this team next year. You've seen this experiment. You've seen what Kyrie and Luka playing together looks like. And maybe, maybe you're right, right? Maybe you get two Okoros, you get rid of JaVale McGee's contract, Maxi Kleba gets healthy, and you're playing Kyrie and Luka with two big wings and a real traditional center, you know, not Christian Wood, but a real traditional center who wants to protect the rim, like Steve, like Steven Adams, right? Steven Adams with these two guys would be great. Someone, someone like that, not JaVale McGee, not Maxi Kleba, not Christian Wood, but I don't know. For me, I, I, it's just, it's not going to work. I just think, I think there's, I think these two are the best example in recent history of the, uh, there's only one basketball thesis, right? Well, so here's the thing. I think Luca appreciates Kyrie being there. And I know I've heard like, Oh, 
Luca sharing the spotlight doesn't like I'm like he looks rejuvenated when Kyrie has the ball like yes I don't have to do everything and Kyrie's decision making with the ball is impeccable all of his former teammates talk about you know how good he is when he has the ball as opposed to shot taking shot making shot creation for other people but man Josh Green is one of those guys that I look at like he's been emerging and I just hope they kind of keep him in the fold and go add uh different guys defensively I'd love to actually see Kyrie in Dallas for a full, full season with Luca and Josh Green, but like filling the other pieces with defensive monsters, like three or four guys coming off the bench um, in the starting lineup for this team to be anything. I like those three or four pieces and building around them. All right, real quick here. The Sacramento Kings ending a 16-year playoff drought. They are up to, I mean, they're they're pretty close to 24 to 1 to win the conference, 65 to 1. To win, I mean that's disrespectful to be the three seed and to be twenty four to one to win the conference. No one believes in the Kings. Tell me how the Kings can win the Western Conference, Chris. They can't. They don't play defense. They don't have a rim protector. And when you get to the playoffs, that's basketball, right? Protecting the rim, having some elite defenders uh, on the wing. They have zero of that, right? Darren Fox, number one clutch scorer in the NBA. I love what he does. I love DeMontis Sabonis. But they are also a team that like, okay, you're here now, right? Like, you're here. You got the all-NBA guys, in my opinion, in Fox and Sabonis, right? So when you draft, when you go to move on uh, with this team, they also need, like, an Isaac Okor, but they only need one. They only need, like, a Jared Allen or an Isaac Okor. They need one of those guys on that team. Uh, for me to be like, oh, title contending team going forward. But this year, uh, great, happy for them, lighting the beam. Man, that first round matchup's going to be too much. All right, thank you to Chris. We're going to go ahead and run into break here real quick on TMA. I'll be back with you guys here in just a few moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Masters is off and going. Guys are making bogeys when they could have made birdies. The uh, the course looks like it's playing pretty difficult. I mean, these greens, uh, these greens just look so tough. I uh, I can't really imagine. So as of right now, we've seen a little odd shift over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Rory and Scheffler are plus 650. Rom, 10 to 1. So I guess if you were waiting to get a good Rom number, I don't even know why these numbers would have shifted early in the morning. But we are going to play a little guess the line of what the three favorites Sunday morning at the Masters are going to be. All right, I'm looking deep inside my crystal ball, and I'm thinking, okay, what is the final group on Sunday morning going to be? I'm going to guess the last group that goes out on Sunday morning at the Masters, or honestly, this could be Monday morning. Remember, we're expected to see a bunch of weather on Saturday. I'm going to guess that the final group is Will Zalatoris and Justin Thomas I'm going to guess that Zalatoris is listed at plus 350. Justin Thomas is listed at plus 120. And I'm going to say that the group behind them is Rory and Scheffler 
And both of those guys are going to be trading at plus 400 or plus 500-ish in that range on Sunday morning. I mean, that sounds like an amazing final grouping to me that would fit right in with my betting card. So maybe a little bit of wish casting there on my part in Guess the Line. Guys, we still have a ton more content left for you to come. We are going to be looking at the fantasy hockey situation with Anna Dua. We're going to talk to Craig Mish, my co-host. We are going to be joined by Coach James Young for the NBA. Lots of stuff coming up, so don't go anywhere. Stay with me for the next hour here on the morning after on SportsGrid TV. Plenty of content left. It's smarter to be on SportsGrid. We're going to go ahead and run a break. I'll see you back at the top of the hour. 